Good morning again to everyone. Uh, welcome to worship uh, with us this morning. We're actually starting a new sermon series uh, coming up. Um, we had last week, hopefully you got to join us on YouTube when we have our anniversary worship service. It's just great to see some of the pictures and what God has done in our church over the past year. And we anticipate God and expect God faith, uh, by faith that God will continue to use us. Uh, for his kingdom. And so this coming worship, uh, sermon series that we're going to start is called Bless. I want to encourage you to open up your Bible. I thank you for, uh, thank you Katie for reading quite a long text for us. A uh, familiar story perhaps for some of you, but it's quite a large chunk. So I want to encourage you to open up your Bible to John chapter 4. And we're going to spend some time there today as we introduce this new series called Bless. But before I do that, let me uh, pray for us. Let's ask God to speak to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for being with us. God, we pray that you will continue to, to speak to us through your word. God, we know that only you, your Holy Spirit can illuminate our hearts, illuminate our minds, and cause us to respond to you. So God, thank you for giving us the gift of your word. I pray that today, as we have experienced in our, in our lives, your blessing in our lives, help us, move us to go bless other people. God, would you anoint my lips, uh, my vocal cord, help me to speak the things I love you. I pray that you will help tune our hearts and minds so that we'll be able to listen, to obey, to hide your truth in our lives. So God, I pray that you will be glorified among us as we hear, as we share your word together. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, I want to welcome everyone. Um, the first question I want to ask you is this. I want you to actually type in the chat, Okay. What do you have to do tomorrow? Okay, go ahead and type in the chat. What do you have to do tomorrow? Think about all the things that you have to do. What do you have to do tomorrow? Go ahead and type it in into your chat. You can type one thing, two things, doesn't matter. What do you have to do tomorrow? And I know while some of you guys are typing, your heart rate is uh, starting to rise and uh, blood pressure is starting to, to boil over. What do you have to do tomorrow? Now, I see him flying it off. There's a lot of stuff that you have to do. And uh, now I know that some of you might be start sweating, thinking about what you have to do tomorrow. You're not even thinking about worship right now. But um, the reason why I asked you that question is because I think all of us have something to do tomorrow. You might be a student. You might be at work. Um, even for those who stay at home, uh, as stay at home mom, there are tons of things. People think a stay at home mom got nothing to do. They have a lot of things to do. And we all have something to do. Uh, it was C.S. Lewis in uh, his book, uh, the, the author of Mere Christianity once says this. He said, each morning when you wake up, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Isn't that true? Like the moment you wake up there, all these things that's just rushing you like wild animals want to devour you. But unfortunately for many of us, it's not our dreams, it's not our hope. Uh, many of them is actually just the things that we have to do. The long list of things that you guys just typed out, they are like wild beasts that come take a part of our lives. And that is so right on. And the older I get, the more uh, people I get to meet and the more I realize that there are a lot of people. And I will even say a lot of us who are long on the to-dos, do the have-to-dos, but short on passion and purpose. There's so many of us that we are long on the have-to-dos every single day, the have-to list. 
have to go to school, have to go to work. I mean, just think with me for a second. Perhaps you have this thought in, in your mind before too. Every morning, I have to wake up at the same old time. I have to wake up and change in the same old clothes. I have to wake up to go to the restroom to brush my teeth with the same old toothbrush. And I go to my the same old dining table to eat my bre- same old breakfast. And then I I continue to change in the same old clothes that I've had. Then I get for before pre-COVID, I have to get into the car, the same old car to go to the same old school, go to listen to the same old teacher, or if you're working the same old boss, the same old cubicle mate, go onto the computer, sign in the same old email, do my same old homework, turn in the same old deadline. And then when the day is over, I go back home, go back to the same old home, see the same old wife, see the same old children, the same old family, eat the same old meal with the same old chopsticks, forks, utensils. And then when I have a little bit of time, I go back to the same old game that I play, the same old show that I catch on Netflix. And we just continue the same old thing until I go back back onto my bed, the same old bed with the same old blanket, same old pillow, and go back to sleep. And tomorrow, wake up and do the same old thing again. And for many of us, that is the type of life that we live. The have-to, same old life. But that's not the type of life you want. And that's not the type of life that we want to wake up to. But yet, many of us are not living. We're merely surviving life. Doing the same old thing to have to live. To go, let that drive us in our lives. But I truly believe that God has something so much better for us. God has something so much better for your life. that I don't know about you, but I don't want the same old thing. I don't want to do just be driven by the have-to things that I have to do. Because the scripture tells us. That when God gave you life, he has something exciting for you to do. That he had a purpose for you. That you're not, oh, I have to do this, but you have, I have to do this. An excitement, there's a purpose, there's a passion. And that's what we're after, this sermon series. In this series called Bless, we're hoping to help you to discover your mission. God's given mission in your life. So that you will start waking up, not just have to do the same old thing. But that you will get up, not just be driven by the, oh man, I have to do this list. But to get wake up and say, I have to do this. It perhaps may be the same exact thing, but with renewed passion and renewed purpose. One of the mistakes that many of us make is this. That while we may have, we think that we can catch on a new passion and new purpose by just changing the same old thing. Perhaps you're like, if I just change my new car, get a new car, I will also have passion and purpose. Maybe if I just get a new boyfriend, I will have a new passion and purpose. And sadly to see, some people might think, if I just get a new wife, a new spouse, I will have a new purpose. I have a new job. I buy a new toy. I buy a bigger house. That will just change everything. But yet we know. The passion and and purpose does not come from getting new things. We have to go back to the mission that God has given to us. That's what's going to fuel your life to live and to do that. I have to do this instead of I have to do this. So today we're going to look at a familiar story uh, that Katie read for us from John chapter 4. 
I want you to open the Bible. I won't have the time to go through every the whole entire story. There are so many angles at this story that we can learn from. But one thing I want to do is I want to summarize the story real quick for us. A story about a Samaritan woman and Jesus. I think one of the uh, the verse that people miss the most when they read this story is from verse 7. Uh, in verse uh, verse 4, here's what it says. John chapter 4, verse 4. When Jesus, when he had to pass through Samaria. The beginning of the story tells us that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Now, I want you to think about this. Does Jesus really, did he really have to pass through Samaria? The answer to that question is no, he didn't have to. It wasn't like on his chart, on his list of things I have. Oh man, I have to go out like, it's like your homework. But I, perhaps what we need to understand a little bit behind the, uh, the, the context is this. A little homework tells us that, in fact, this is probably not a wise thing for Jesus to do. To go through Samaria. If you're not familiar with Samaria, Samaritans are the, are in, in, in uh, opposition against the Jews. Jesus was born of Jewish descent. Samaritans are, uh, are the people who, who the Jews did not like. Like think of the biggest rivalry that you have, perhaps in your school or perhaps in the team that you root for. Like think of Dodgers, Giants, uh, think of, I don't know, like Arcadia High, Temple City High. Uh, I don't even know if they're rival. Think of, uh, um, whatever, uh, Lakers against Clippers, uh, the biggest rival you have, that's what happens with the Samaritans and Jews. And so when the story tells us that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, it wasn't really that he had to in a sense of, in fact, it was not a good idea to go through that because Jesus could have easily be hurt. He would have easily been tossed up, but yet the text tells us that Jesus from his perspective, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And the reason why he had to go through Samaria, and it was not because, oh man, this is a chore, but it is an excitement. There's a mission for it. The reason why he had to go to Samaria is because the story tells us that he had to go to minister, to reach out, to talk to this Samaritan woman at the well. Here to set up the scene for you in a story. Jesus was walking into town. A town called Sikar in Samaria. Uh, Jesus was tired. He was hungry. The disciples went out to get lunch to buy food. And then when Jesus was resting by this well, a well-known, uh, famous well that uh, uh, the forefathers of Jacob had built uh, and built in here. And and it's called the Jacob's Well. And along the way, along the, uh, a woman stopped by. And Jesus asked her for a drink, and then the woman's like, wait, why are you asking me for a drink? One is, you're a man. A man, you never ask a woman for a drink. Two, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You should not do this. And yet, nevertheless, Jesus asked her for a drink. But Jesus did not ask her for a drink because he was just thirsty. Jesus wanted to talk to her. And Jesus talked to her and explained to her that he himself actually have the living water. That if he's will, if she's willing to take the water from him, she will never be thirsty again. And she was confused. And then she started asking Jesus, you know, uh, you don't, we don't worship in the same place. And then Jesus told her that more than where you worship, what's most important is that Jesus can be the satisfaction for her life. Jesus revealed to her. She asked her this simple question, bring your husband. 
And she couldn't, she said, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus said that, in fact, you have no husband? Yes, that's true. But actually you have, have five husbands. And you can just tell this woman was not, was, was a promiscuous woman, whether by choice or not. She was a woman that's known, and there's a reason, by the way, why the text tells us that she showed up at the middle of the day at 12 o'clock to go get water. The hottest time of the day to pick up water, to draw water from the well. One Perhaps one reason was simply to avoid the judgment, the people's eyes upon this, this promiscuous woman. So Jesus knew all that and said, if you drink from me, you will be never, you will never be thirsty again. And so this woman, from, from the story, to, we know, we know that this woman bought into that, this woman believed in Jesus. As a result that Jesus changed her life, she went from someone who came to the well to draw water, she becomes someone who's compelled by the love of Jesus to tell other people, drop the bucket of water and go tell other people about Jesus. Her life was completely changed, so changed that her own village, Knowing full well that she was a sinful, promiscuous woman, saw the change in her that they started listening to Jesus, inviting Jesus. Now, with this summary of story, why is this story so important? This story is so important to us for three reasons. The first reason is simply this, that Jesus has a mission for his life. Jesus lived with a mission in his life. Jesus was not driven by the all I have to do list. But Jesus was driven by a mission that's I have to do this. He has a mission to go to talk to the woman. He has a mission to go reach out to a woman. So this is the reason why we that one important lesson we learn from here in the story is simply that Jesus lived with a mission and Jesus has a mission for his life. But here's what matters to us. The second reason why this is so important for us is this. Is that because Jesus had a mission, you and I have a mission. Now I'm speaking specifically to every one of us here who claims to make the profession of faith to be a disciple of Jesus, followers of Christ. If you are a Christian, You don't need to go discover a mission. You have a mission because Jesus, our King, has a mission. You have a mission. Which leads to our third reason why this story is so important. This story, among many other stories, but particularly with this one, we see a threefold mission that Jesus has. As I said, Jesus had a mission. Because Jesus had a mission, you have a mission as follower of Christ. And this story showed us there's three components to that mission. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down. Jesus' mission is composed of three important elements. The first element of Jesus' mission is this. is reaching. is to reach. Jesus reached people who are far away from God. Jesus who reached, Jesus' mission was to reach people who are far, far away from God. It doesn't get any farther away from God than the people like Samaritans, the Samaritan woman. This is why Jesus said, I have to, I have to go to this woman. She is so far away, not just geographically, but spiritually. Now, one thing I want you to notice in this story is this, the, the Samaritan woman is, is not someone who is not spiritual. Because if you look at verse 20, 
this woman can talk about worship. Verse 20, our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So this woman is spiritual on some level. She knows about worshiping God. She believes in a God. In fact, she even believes or know of this Messiah that was prophesied in Scripture. Because in verse 25, it says this. She said to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So this woman is spiritual on every level. But the problem for her is not that she is not spiritual. is that she doesn't know that Jesus is the Messiah. There are so many people who are like this woman in, in our lives. People who are perhaps spiritual. Perhaps even believe in a God. But they don't know who Jesus is. They did not know that Jesus is that promised Savior and King for their lives. I think of someone named uh, Jalen, a, a pseudo name. I don't want to share this person's name for privacy reason. Jalen grew up at church, went to all the youth activities, even eventually started leading the youth group. But over time, this person drifted away from God. Jalen went to college. Stop going to church, stop attending fellowship. Jalen had a successful life, married a good moral wife, have children. Life seems to be all that he wished to be, but something was missing in his life. He never turned back to God and thinking that God is the, 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 the answer to his life, the, 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 the feeling for the hole that he needs to be filled up. And yet in the midst of all of that, Somehow God miraculously uh, brought someone to invite Jalen to church. Connected with Jalen to have spiritual conversation with Jalen. And Jalen hasn't been to church for over 30 years. But just because someone reached out to talk to him and, and go for, uh, brought, brought him from the far place that he was away from God. And introduced him back to Jesus. And as a result of that. Jalen brought his whole family back to church, led his wife to came to know Jesus, led his kids to come to know Jesus. You see, there are so many people like Jalen in your life and my life, people who perhaps been to church, people who maybe dabble in different religions. They, in, in fact, uh, back in 2019, there's a study done by Gallup's poll, one of the cre most credible uh, polling agency there is in, um, in America. They're trying to figure out how many uh, Americans actually believe in God. And the poll tells us that there's 87%, this 2019, not too long ago, 87% of Americans believe in a God. Now, I'm not naive to think that every person in that 87% believe in the same God in the scripture. They believe in Jesus or even have a relationship with Jesus. We don't know what their mindset is about God. But my, my point here is simply this. God created every one of us. Even those who are atheists who have a longing that they didn't even know for to, to be a longing for God that they didn't even know. 87% of people in America said that they believe in a God. So they are spiritual on some level because we are spiritual beings made in the image of God. But there's better news. In the same year, Barna, a Christian uh, research uh, center, uh, made a study called Reviving Evangelism. And they found out that over 79% of the unreached people, uh, unchurched people, don't mind talking to a friend 
about spirituality, about God of the Bible. 79% of unchurched people might not be willing to show up at church, but they're more than willing. If a friend that genuinely cares for them, a friend who genuinely loves them, share their faith with them and have spiritual conversation with them. They might not even crack up and open a Bible, and yet they don't mind having conversation with you and I. Over 79%. Think about it. 87% of Americans believe in a God. 79% of those who are unchurched are willing to have a conversation. Maybe the harvest is not it is as plentiful as Jesus said. But what it does requires us is this. That Jesus' mission calls us to go reach them where they're far. So we have to reach them. We, we have to. That's our mission. We have to go to the Samaritan, Samaria. To go to the Samaritan woman in our lives. Go to the places like Samaria to go reach out to those who are far away from God. And that's the first mission, first full, first element of Jesus' mission. We must reach. Now again, if you're taking notes, here's the second one. Not only are we called to go reach them, reach people who are far away from God. They might be spiritual, they might be interested in spiritual things, but they are far, far away from God. No relation with Jesus. We're called to go reach them. Here's the second thing. We are called to restore them. Jesus restored God's dream in this woman's life. We are called to restore God's best in people's lives. Now notice what I said, God's dream, God's best, not your dream, not your best, not what I think is best for me. What I think my dream is, is God's dream and God's best. You see, the good news about Jesus is simply this. It is God's desire for every one of his created uh, um, person made an image of God to be restored back in perfect relationship with him, to be reconciled with the Father, to love God and love others. That is God's dream for the whole world. That is God's purpose for the whole world. That is God's purpose for creation for the whole world. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 says, says, this is good. Whenever we see the scripture says, this is good, we better pay attention. It says, it is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's purpose to restore God's dream, God's best for every person, every broken person. You see, in the story here, the Samaritan woman, she was trying to get her best in her own ways. She had had five husbands. We don't know the reason why she had five husbands. But one thing we might be able to speculate is that she has this deep need to be loved, to be cared for. And yet for whatever reason, whether it's her fault or somebody else's fault or the husband's fault, those five husbands did not meet her need. And in fact, by the time Jesus met with this Samaritan woman, she was onto the sixth man. Another man who, whom she's living with, that's not her husband. So she is, you can see deep inside her, she's yearning for something more in life. She wants to, she wants to have identity. She wants to have love. And yet these men, men in her life are not fulfilling. You see, this is why Jesus came, reached out to her and restored to her. The very identity that she needs is not to be a wife of a man. Her truest identity, the name standing to be restored is her identity as a child of God. 
And so Jesus had to go and reach her. So Jesus had to go and restore her and say, drink, put your faith in me, and I'll be the living water that will satisfy you forever. Jesus restored her in ways that no men and husbands can restore her. See, that's the mission for you and I. We're called to go restore people's lives. It's not that hard to find broken people. There are broken people around us. I think of an immigrant family, immigrant parents who, who left their homeland to come to this country, very much like maybe some of your parents and my parents. They were looking for success, looking for security. They're looking to bring the best for their children. They, they left all their family members. They left all their relationships and friendship and come and they try to find identity, trying to find security. They try to look for jobs. They're trying to uh, speak broken English just so that they can help their children. See, there are so much needs that they have, and God's intent is to restore them, not just to put their trust in money and things or success of our security of family, but Jesus wants to meet them where they're at. I think of a child who has no access or good education because of the neighborhood that, we're, that, that, that he or she is in. Immigrant families struggling to find a job learning the language. A class member of yours, maybe in your Zoom class, that can barely speak English is struggling through class. You see, every opportunity that we have, we see brokenness in this world. People who are widowed, people who are orphans, people who have lost their job, people who are uh, have terminal disease, people who have broken dreams and ambitions in their life. Every one of those opportunities are doorways for you and I. To go reach and to restore God's best for them. See, God's not intent for, uh, is not content to just bring these quote unquote physical gifts to people. God wants more something much better for them. Eternal, give eternal life. And so what God wants to do is that God wants to call you and I to go reach and to restore, bring the good news of Jesus to them. So that their identity will be restored. So no longer do they yearn for approval from somebody else or something else. But they truly would drink from this living water that spring eternal life in their lives. So we don't only just reach, we restore. Here's the last element of Jesus' mission for us. Which is why we're talking about blesses. Because Jesus did not just want to bless us. He wanted to use those whom he blessed to bless others. Here's the, the last part. We Not only do we reach, we restore. Jesus calls us to reproduce. Jesus calls us to reproduce his mission in the life of others. We didn't read this part of the story. But if you continue on in chapter 4. This woman, when I was summarizing, I gave you a little clue of it. Is that this woman was changed. This woman was changed by Jesus, blessed by Jesus. She has her identity filled by, by, by Jesus' eternal, uh, by Jesus' love and eternal life. And out of that, Jesus didn't even have to tell her, but Jesus mobilized or released her to go back to her village. And we see in the story because of that, her whole village invited Jesus into her village and stayed with them to know more about Christ. Look at verse, look at verse 28. The woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people. In verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. 
See, when Jesus reached, restore us, when he calls us to do that, he's not calling us to stop right there, but we are to reproduce in that person the same mission that Jesus had in our lives. It was over 20, 23 years. A church intern at my home church reached out to me and asked if I want to start meeting together once a week with a few other high schoolers at the time. I barely came to know Jesus. I was baptized. I put my faith in Christ, but I have no idea what it means for me to walk, to live as a follower of Christ. And yet out of that, that invitation, I committed myself to meet with this, uh, church intern among, along with three other, uh, high school boys at the time. I learned how to read scripture. I learned how to pray. I learned, I learned the, 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 the mission that Jesus had for my life, that I'm to reach others. I'm to restore others. I'm to do the same and reproduce the same mission in others. I was invested in, I was blessed. And as a result of that, I was moved to go bless others. And fast forward, maybe a little less than 10 years ago, I drove and picked up this young man. And I think he was in high school. And then a young lady all in high school, they were neighbors. They'd never been to church. At our church, at least I know of. They're non-Christians. At the time, we picked them up to go to the mall for a scavenger hunt. As a result of that, we connected with them. That young man eventually came to hear the gospel, hear to, to know Jesus, put his faith in Christ. I started to, to, to invest in and bless this young man and help this young man to, to see, to walk with God. And as a result, that, that man now leads and invests in, in other high school guys. You see, we're called not just to reach, we're not called only to restore, we're called to reproduce the mission that God has done in our lives with other people. Man, I have the privilege, thanks be to God, that to be able to invest in men and women in these. And some of you guys are doing the exact same thing. I think of every one of our small group leaders. They are living out the mission of God to reach, to restore, and to reproduce in some of your life. And here's why this is so important. Because our dream, our prayer for this sermon series is this, that each one of you will do the same thing. Not because I, this is my mission, this is not because of your small group leader's mission. It is Jesus' mission. Here, a little pop quiz for you. Does anyone know, if you know, you can type in the chat, does anyone know what is our mission statement for this church? No cheating, okay? Don't go on the website and search it up. What is the mission statement for our church? The mission statement for FCVCSGV. Now, if you don't know, let me tell you what it is. It is to win souls for Christ and equip others to fulfill the Great Commission. To win souls for Christ and to equip disciples to fulfill the Great Commission. You have perhaps heard different versions of it through our time at this church. But here's the challenge I want to give you. When we talk about a church mission statement, we tend to talk about it in this way. I want you to point at the camera. We tend to think the church mission, we're saying your mission, somebody else's mission. But instead, what we need to think of the church mission statement is not somebody else's mission. It's actually what? My mission. 
We are the church. It is our mission. So here's what I want to share with you. I want to encourage you and cast a vision upon you uh, for this worship, uh, for this sermon series. I am praying that for each one of us here, or some of you that may not be joining us, we are listening out later on. For each one of us, by the end of 2021, we all have a mission testimony to tell. By 2021, the end of 2021, every one of us would have a story to tell how we live on mission for Jesus. That we will live to reach to those who are far away. That we will live to restore the uh, the gospel in people's lives. That they will find identity as a child of God. That we will reproduce in others the mission that God has given to us. That by the end of 2021, that you will be able to testify and say that the church mission was indeed my mission. And better yet, is not the church mission. It's Jesus' mission. is the mission of my life. That you and I would not just live be according to the oh, have-to list. The have-to list that's thrown upon us. But we will live, wake up every single morning with excitement, with purpose and passion to do the things that Jesus calls you to, to have-to list. I have to go reach. I have to go restore. I have to go reproduce. And just like Jesus, that he, we had to go to the Samaria, Samaria of our lives. But here's the thing, you can't do that if you're not in relationship with people. Every week when I when we are on the sermon series, I'm going to give you a tool to put on you to your blessed toolbox. That I firmly believe if you just use them and you apply and you try to do it every single day, that you will live, you will fulfill the, uh, the mission that Jesus has in your life. Here's the first tool, tool I want to give you today. Is to belong out there. Belong out there. What I mean by that, belong out there means that don't just belong here at church. Belong out there where the lost world is. Belong out there where the Samaritan woman is. Belong out there. You cannot live the mission of God without stepping out into the Samaria of this world. Jesus had to. He had to. He had to because that's his purpose, to go to Samaria. Samaria. So we need to belong out there. We need to purposefully build relationships. There are two specific ways, practical ways I want to challenge you to do this. Go join something. Go join a, and some of you guys already do this. You join an art class, join orchestra. Some of you guys already in orchestra. Uh, join a band. You're already in a band. Join an extracurricular, join a reading club. Some of you guys in sports, you join something out there where there are non-believers, people who are far away from God, and you join it and build a relationship with them. So don't just go to your tutoring place just for your own school. Go join that for the purpose of Jesus, for the mission of Jesus. Join it because you want to go reach the people there, because you want to restore the people there. Yesterday, I was so blessed by watching a testimony by an old man that was in jail for 441 days in Sudan. What started out as a four-day trip to record and take a video of testimonies of believers turned out to be a 441 days isolation in jail because he was branded as a missionary and falsely thought of as a spy. 
And throughout all 441 days, he was discouraged. He was wrestling with God. Why do you put me here? And what happened was God along the way revealed to him the reason why he was there. And he, in fact, by the, by after 300 days, he was sitting in a yard where there are 12 other people who happened to be believers. And because of that, he happened to be moved to a, a new uh, complex where he get to have host a chapel in the middle of the jail with these 12 other brothers and sisters. And as a result of from 12, 13 people, they grew to become 100 people. All along, he was asking God, why do you put me there? I didn't cho- choose to join a jail. But yet God brought him there and he saw the purpose of reaching, restoring, and reproducing within that jail. He led these ISIS, Islamic extremists to come to know Christ. Now, I'm not asking you to go to jail for that, but I do ask you, would you join something that you already do? You already join extracurricular activities, hobbies that you have. Would you choose to join something with the purpose of reaching and restoring? And reproducing. And some of you that's here is the second thing. Not only you join something, perhaps you can invite someone to join you to do something. Some of you guys are already joining a tutoring place. Why don't you talk to your friends? Say, hey, ask your mom if you, you can join me. Maybe you want to try out for track. Ask your friend to join you. You don't have to go join new things. Maybe you're already doing something. Ask that person to join you. Schedule once COVID over. Schedule a uh, uh, a pickup basketball game every every Saturday. My wife Hannah, Hannah Hannah her uncles came to know Christ because someone invited them. Someone opened a space for them to play basketball. As a result, that they've been reached, they've been restored, and now they're reproducing the same thing to people who are far away from God. See, this is Jesus' mission for you. This is Jesus' mission for you and I. We don't have to be surviving our lives. We can thrive in our life because Jesus has given us this mission to go restore, to go reach, to go restore, and go reproduce.